0: Welcome to a special review roundtable episode of Today on Broadway for Mardi Gras, Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. (laughs) It has been 123 (laughs) days since the Tony nominations were announced. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tiemannini.
1: And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves,
2: And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast Grace Aki.
0: We have assembled here three wide to talk about the recently re-released version of Disney's version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella this was the TV version that came out in 1997 and starred uh, such luminaries as Brandy and Whitney Houston as Cinderella and the Fairy Godmother, but also had a ton of Broadway stars as well. In no particular order, you have Tony winner Jason Alexander, Tony winner Whoopi Goldberg, Tony winner Bernadette Peters, Tony nominee Vianne Cox, Tony nominee Victor Garber, as well as introducing Paolo Montabon, and of course the late Natalie DeSalle. This is the third TV version of Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. The first one uh, occurred all the way back in 1957 and starred, amongst others, Julie Andrews, um, Howard Lindsay, Dorothy Stickney, Edith Adams, Kay Ballard, and then that was for a long time thought to be lost. It was a black and white production, <laughs> yeah. and was there. There was a, a, a soundtrack, but they did not know that there was a video recording of this Cinderella for many, many decades until they found one and it was eventually released on DVD. So for many people, myself included, we grew up on the 1965 version of this Cinderella, which is by far (laughs) the most superior and best version. It it starred (laughs) an 18-year-old Leslie Ann Warren as Cinderella opposite the... Always phenomenal, Stuart Damon as the prince, who went on to play the role of Doctor Alan Quartermain on General Hospital for like four decades. <laughs> so you of know course, I love him.
1: Chorus bingo card.
0: Yes, but it also features Ginger Rogers and Walter Pidgeon as the uh, queen and king, Celeste Holm as the fairy godmother, Joe Van Fleet as the stepmother, Pat Carroll and Barbara Ruick as the as the stepdaughter, as the daughters, the stepsisters, um, and mm. it's just a. phenomenal Nominal version. I grew mm. up on this there, one.
1: There are a lot of people on it for sure. Yeah.
0: And it's, and they are all wonderful and it is perfect. Mm-hmm. Then when I was 16 years old, the, this 1997 version came out. Um, and it has kind of been in, living only on YouTube for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't get it on D V D. You couldn't give it might I think that I actually there was a my, VHS. Yeah, my family had the there VHS. There was a VHS.
1: I had the VHS. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: So it, but it wasn't on DVD. It wasn't streaming anywhere until just I think like a week or two before it actually go. came out on mm-hmm. Disney Plus. They announced that it was going to be streaming and all of theater uh world, theater nation was ecstatic and it is now available mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. Now this is the version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella that became a Broadway production in 2013, but it is also mm-hmm. not the version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's <laughs> Cinderella that sure. became a Broadway production. It is a lot of the same songs, but not all of the same songs. This 1997 version interpolates a lot of other songs from various uh, R&H productions, some mm-hmm. that had been cut, some that had been used. The 2013 Broadway version does the same thing. The book for the Broadway version was um, was written by Douglas Carter Bean and completely changed everything pretty much um, about this. So you will recognize some songs if you are familiar with the Santino Fontana, Laura Osnes um, version uh, from Broadway. But other than that, it is pretty much completely different. So we wanted to, with all of that background out of the way, mm-hmm. we wanted to kind of approach this from two points, because I think discussing Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella, specifically the 1997 um, Wonderful World of Disney production, um, we want to talk about the production itself, because it is something that is now streaming, and we want to give the review on the Review Roundtable – but because of the diversity and um, the eclectic nature of casting that was so far ahead of its time, we also want to talk about the the impact that this had on a lot of uh, just society, but also theater lovers. Um, so... Ashley, let's start Mm. with the review portion. You did not care for my assessment that the (laughs) Leslie Ann Warren Stewart Damon version is the the best.
1: The incorrect opinion, I mean,
0: it is the zenith of all uh, R&H Cinderella's. Mm -hmm. But, so, Mm -hmm. uh, take it away. What are your... Um thumbnail thoughts about the 1997 version of of Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. I
1: love this version. Okay, mm-hmm. so first of all, uh I'm not a Cinderella fan. I want to get that very much.
0: R&H's or just Cinderella in general. All of
1: it, except yeah, all, for uh, Into the Woods. Okay. I, I, except for Into the Woods, right. which is Oh, uh, I'll send
2: you yeah. No, what? I'll send, you, I, I'll send you I'll send you a bootleg of me doing that because oh, I
1: think we'd be oh, closer as uh, friends. Please,
0: <laughs> please, please, please.
1: Yes, please. Absolutely. Yeah. So the exception to the rule there, of course, is always Stephen Sondheim. Oh, um, oh
0: real quick. I'm going to jump in. I have a uh, Sondheim yeah. related trivia question for you before we go. So don't let me forget.
1: Oh, God. I think, oh, hey, now can I just say this? I oh, think no. I'm going to get it. Okay. All ooh, right. We'll ooh, see. We'll ooh, see. Okay. Excited. <laughs> Very excited for all that. So, this is, um, I, I, I also grew up on both this version and also the Leslie and Warren version. And the reason why I'm groaning so much about it is because my mother was obsessed with it. Mine tore- too. This tortured, is my mom's favorite, yeah. Tortured me with it. So I absolutely hate it so much. I'm sorry. I don't I don't care. I don't care. Um <laughs> um, so this is this is really the version that sticks out in my head it is it's a 90s movie it looks like a 90s movie yeah. and it's Cinderella it's pretty cheesy to begin with but I think it holds up so well for a variety of factors it's really interesting to be. I don't I don't remember when I saw it because, like I said, I had it on the VHS. Um, I definitely saw it on TV. I don't know when, though, but I don't
0: think yeah, I forgot. Because it was rerun a number of times. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't think I forgot anything from it, though, including like that gloriously whatever end shot with Whitney mm-hmm. uh, to close it out. But, yeah, I... <laughs> I, I love this version of all the versions that exist, all 7,050 of them. Uh, I'm happy that this is now streaming. Uh, and I'm really, as you said, like the theater world kind of blew up about it. And not just that, but everyone was so excited that this came yeah. out and that it's now available to any, for everyone to watch anytime. I think everyone holds like a really special place in their heart for it.
0: Yeah. Grace, what about you?
2: I mean, come on, (laughs) come on. Of course I love this shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Okay. So again, I think we talked about this before my obsession with Whitney Houston knows no bounds. Um, I was, I thought that I was going to grow up to become her one day. That's not how that works. I am not trying to, you know, (laughs) I'm, I am a Georgian, but I don't do blackface and I think she's an icon. (laughs) Um, but like, there was just so much about the culture of like me being young and being an Asian American little girl. And, um, I had never seen representation on TV like that. Um, and so it it was just, it was just fun. And also like Jason Alexander looks like my fucking dad. So of course I'm going to love this because he's adorable and funny. Everyone's dad. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I'm going to send you a pic of Bruce Kling and you're going to be like, (laughs) yeah, okay. Um, Uh, okay. (laughs) So of course I really enjoy this. I'm glad that we're talking about it. And that's all I'm going to say.
0: So speaking of Jason Alexander, this isn't where I necessarily wanted to start, but like, I love that this came out. In the peak of Seinfeld, like in that, in the, like right. it, it had hit its peak. It was just a few years away from uh, ending its run on NBC, mm-hmm. and people were like, "Wait, what?" Now, Jason Alexander, I think, had already done "Bye Bye Birdie" at this point. So, yes, uh, on yeah, I think so, which was also Vanessa produced.
2: Williams' "Bye Bye Birdie."
0: Yes, the very <laughs> exactly. well noted Hispanic American, um, mm-hmm. but. Um, I just think it was so close. Cool. You got to see him dance in this one and like, not just like a celebrity doing a little like jazz square. Like he was doing yeah. for a little, like a few seconds there, like some legit dancing and people forget he's a Tony winner for a musical yeah, before, yes. before Sondheim. Um, and, and you know, so I just thought that was very cool. Uh, and it just seemed like he had such a ball doing it, but I want to talk about to me, you said, Ashley, that this, is mm. such a 90s production and it is such a 90s production that anytime Whitney Houston is on the screen they somehow borrowed animation from Windows 95 oh, to show, <laughs> to show that she was using magic yeah.
1: yeah and like yeah. little like
0: ampersands and at signs i don't know what that was all about but um let's talk about some of these performances because Whitney Houston yeah. had obviously Done a lot of, of movie work with things like, uh, um, the
2: preacher's wife,
0: the preacher's wife and the bodyguard and stuff like that. Like she was a legit, uh, movie star in addition to being one of the most iconic voices of all time. Brandy, on the other hand, had been doing the TV show Moesha, but she was very young. I think she was only 17 or 18, like Leslie Ann Warren. Mm -hmm. Um, Brandy to me sticks out a bit like a sore thumb in terms of the acting. Um, She's not a great actress. Sure. And, sure. and I think that's fair. She has gone on to do a lot more acting in her career since then. But again, she was 17, yeah. 18 years old and all like her experience had been doing a, a WB sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But what you can, you can say, she's not a great actress, which she's not. But what I was so intrigued by is watching her light up. And act while she was singing. I thought the Mm -hmm. acting while she was just, like, doing dialogue was like, okay, it sounds like somebody who is not super comfortable in what she's doing. But once she started singing, and I know she was lip syncing to a track at that point, but the right, acting which they, she, did,
1: which they already did yeah
0: yeah they which mm-hmm. they do in all mu- musicals that aren't directed by Tom Hooper but <laughs> it was just such an <laughs> obvious comfort level difference to me when she was acting while singing and dancing i mean she did a hell of a waltz with Paolo Montavin um in yeah. the ball scene like i was yeah i forgot like oh she's really that like captivating in this uh, in ways that I didn't expect before she opened her mouth to say she's
1: not the worst person I've ever seen in a musical and the no. in a lead role in a musical. No. <laughs> so I mean, say that she's a bad actor. I mean, maybe, but I've certainly. I mean that in comparison <laughs> well, to everybody
0: else in that in that cast which, is what I mean. which
1: which is really <laughs> tough to do. And yes. as you said, she was you she was a baby at that point. Uh, her only role was in a sitcom. Uh, this is a different, certainly a different type of role and it's supposed to be like that kind of, Not, I wouldn't say dramatic, but you know it's just that. an ingenue. Yeah, exactly absolutely Um yeah I, it, it's really fascinating to me watching as you said, her emoting while she sings and it's actually part of the reason why it, it that annoys me so much that we don't have a soundtrack for this movie mm-hmm. Um the, and part of the reason for that is there was such like a pissing match going on between the two <laughs> record labels. But also Brandy's and all,
0: Whitney's, you mean.
1: Right. Right. And but also um they were trying to sell Brandy as a quote unquote urban artist at the time rather oh, than Jesus. a pop star. Pop, so, yeah. so they were worried that it was going to hurt her career. And I was like, Jeez. she can she can so clearly do pop because of the way that she emotes and
0: acts through it like that. This is what fits her. Well, I mean, the boy is mine is, I don't know if that's pop or urban, <laughs> but like she can do anything. In vocally. In between. Like, yeah. yeah, of She can yeah. do of, anything.
1: Of course. But for them to say, well, we don't, well, this will ruin her career. If yeah, we release totally it stupid. is, is absurd. <laughs> absolutely yeah. absurd. Watch her. She's so happy to be doing it.
0: Yeah. Um, Grace, you mentioned watching this representation as a I mean, I don't even know. Were you really uh, this is a legitimate question. Were you alive when this first was released? Yes.
2: I was okay. a five year old. Oh, okay. I, I, <laughs> yeah, just how dare you, man. Yeah. No, that's okay. Um uh, But yeah. you
0: so I let's talk about the fact that Mm-hmm. <laughs> the king is played by a very white and Canadian, Victor Garber, whom everybody I, I'm sure here loves. The <laughs> of course. Queen, the queen is played by EGOT winner, um, oh. Whoopi Goldberg. God herself, Whoopi God <laughs> Goldberg. Yeah. God so, so she, as I think most people know, is black. And then the prince is played by... Uh, Asian-American Paolo Montaban, whom, ironically, we are recording this on February 15th of 2021. On February 15th of 2020, I actually saw Paolo Montaban on stage off-Broadway with Beth Malone and Whitney Basher in The Unsinkable Molly Brown, which was a great show and one of the last things Mm -hmm. I saw in New York before finishing up my trip. But, Mm. Grace, you mentioned the representation whether it was the royal family or Brandy, what did that mean for you um, as not only somebody as a, as a young girl of color, but somebody who loved the arts and obviously loved musical theater growing up too?
2: Well, it was funny because like it meant nothing, which I think is the best thing. Um, mm. I, I didn't care. Uh, I was just like, yes, these very talented people are in these exciting roles. The end. Close the book. I didn't, de- I, I don't remember in this particular instance. And there were others when I would talk to my mom about it. Um, where I was like, it's weird though that those two people made that person though, right? <laughs> like I didn't care because in shows that I was watching on TV, the parents did not look like the kids. Even if they were all freaking white people, yeah. they can't, they don't yeah. cast actual families. Like the Partridge family is not the Partridge family. <laughs> like, you know, like I, um yeah, so it didn't matter, which I think is what is progressive. And of course, we'll talk about that later in the show. Um, But I I didn't care. And that's what I think I loved about this so much is that none of it mattered.
0: Yeah. And I think it also helps, maybe not necessarily in that, but to make everything just seem mm-hmm. normal. The fact that you have yeah. somebody like, Whoopi and Victor Garber, who wasn't necessarily as well known, uh, but he has Mm -hmm. this gravitas that goes with him. And I think there was just something about it that it was just like, okay, whatever. That's fine. Uh, Makes perfect sense. But speaking of gravitas, we can't Mm. talk about (laughs) this thing without discussing the one and only Bernadette Peters, who... From Damn the, right. From the fact that she had the weirdest walk I've ever seen, whether it was the heels on cobblestone or whatever <laughs> it was, to the fact that she never said Cinderella um without Cinderella. making a that she never <laughs> didn't make a very specific and important choice. Um as our resident Sandra Maholic. <laughs> Ashley, um, okay. give me all your thoughts on bernie
1: i mean we simply don't have the time for me to give me all my thoughts on bernie you know i grew you know grew up watching this grew up watching annie so clearly mm-hmm. very bernadette influenced and and then you know a few years later in into the woods which these are quite similar roles um mm-hmm. Uh, and what, like 10 years after Into the yeah. Woods. So, this is like Into the Woods, the TV version for me. <laughs> uh, of course, I love. Uh, uh, there's there's nothing I can say about Bernadette ever that's bad first of all, second it would take hours and hours for me to get
0: out all my thoughts on Bernadette Peters well how uh, about you confine them to Cinderella, that's what I was actually no, doing.
2: no, 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 no <laughs> she chooses to not do that Matt I, I, I choose to not do that can we talk about her costumes in this, of course she did not design them but how angular all of them were yeah. fit. how funny they that fit. was
0: oh my god Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, all of the costumes, uh, especially Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the costumes, that's just a a statement of fact there. Uh, All of the costumes are gorgeous. But what I've always remembered about this Cinderella, not necessarily just the 1997, but the Roger and Hammerstein Cinderella was the weirdness of. The stepmother and the stepsisters, in whatever version this is, of course, of they course. are meant to be weird and different and loud, literally and visually loud. Um, so you go from Bernadette Peters with her um and their vi- caricatures, yes, exactly. um to uh, V Ann Cox and Natalie decell Reed, um who unfortunately just passed away in december yeah. um and and those characters are so. Much fun. And that's, you know, we we know that um, Anne Harada played essentially yes. Natalie DeSalle-Reed's version. I think they've changed mm-hmm. the names of the stepsisters in every version of this Cinderella. Right, right. Uh, but I don't think people understand how great a song, Stepsister's Lament is. Like, oh, that is. Oh, a perfect the altos,
2: song. the altos, no. Because it's in our books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by ours, I don't mean mine because I am not. But literally, I cannot tell you one young girl that uh, from any, from any singer, whatever, they're just like, yeah, it's, it's in there. Because when you're young, and then you're an alto, you're automatically deemed as well, you're gonna have comedic characters, which is sad because not every alto is a comedian, but it's always Stepsisters Lament. And and so all of us kind of came to be in this time of like funny, 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 and watching her kill that even Vian like kills it as well. But it's just it was just such a good moment that I'm glad that they included it in this version because it's obviously like mm. cut, cut, cut down. Um, it was very validating. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, it really is just one of those perfect things. And I remember it very distinctly from the Leslie Ann Warren version. I remember it from this version. Uh, I did not see the Broadway version, but I saw the Broadway version on tour. Yeah, um, mm. it's, just, it's, it's just a, a great song that really allows two characters that otherwise could have been cast off as, you know, unimportant plot devices and gives them a moment. To not only be funny, but like, if you actually listen to the words, because this is Rodgers and Hammerstein, of course, like, it actually is a great character song as well. And it's For actually sure. really deep. Um, so I've always loved that song and I was glad to see it again with these two very, very funny and talented comedic singing actresses. Now that leaves us the only person we haven't really talked about is Paolo Montaban, who, um, this kind of was his big break and mm-hmm. he hasn't I mean yeah. he's done a lot of other stuff. He's been on Broadway. Like I said, I saw him in um in Uncycle Molly Brown a year ago. But he's, you know, this is still the thing I would imagine that is like first yes. on his bias.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So and I think uh, before I think even before that, because I mean this was like, as you said, his breakout. Uh I think before that he was like understudying for the king and I, and that's about it.
0: Yeah. So he's, you know, he's somebody who is just Not necessarily in the same orbit of a Victor or a Whoopi or a Bernie or anything like that, but he's a guy who has made a career, you know, in theater, um, on Broadway, off Broadway, um, done, done the occasional TV gig. I think he's really like, I'm kind of surprised rewatching this that he didn't become bigger because he's obviously very talented. He's obviously a very attractive man. Like I'm just kind of surprised. Th-
2: well, I know why. <laughs> I was going to oh. say,
1: I don't know that I'm yeah. surprised. <laughs> oh, really? It, it,
0: oh, it well, doesn't yeah, have to okay. do with
1: him. Yeah, yeah. Right. I see what exactly. you're saying. I see what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you.
0: Um, but anyway, okay, so let's take a break here real quick uh, before we get into the overall lasting impact that this movie had on a lot of different areas of our, of our lives. And let's talk real quick about our sponsor for the week, Better Help.
2: Yeah. So I, I don't know if all of you are experiencing what I'm experiencing, but I'm in a pandemic and I'm sad a lot. <laughs> um, I don't know um, if you, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you've listened to the everything, but um, it's, it's not great all the time. And I started to kind of look for ways to help my mental health through like therapy that was actually accessible. And the most accessible thing that I found that, has been an incredible tool for me. It was actually BetterHelp. Um, It assesses your needs. um, It matches you with a licensed professional therapist. Like, it's not like, hey, you want to find a friend? Here's a friend that will listen to you. No, it's like very legitimate. (laughs) You connect in a safe and private online environment. It's also extremely convenient because of course, what are we doing? We're on our phones all the time and you can start communicating in under like 24 hours. And it's not like self-help, it's professional counseling, which I truly believe everyone needs. I don't mean that, you know, we're all broken people. I believe that we're all people that just need to grow and need assistance in that. And BetterHelp is that company. Um, So you can kind of send a message to your counselor at any time. I've been in places where I'm like on the floor, truly having a panic attack. And um, I have my phone next to me, of course. So I send a message to my counselor. They write back within a timely manner. It's it's an incredible thing.
0: Yeah. And what's great about it is, is that Whatever you think that it's something that you want to work on, they have professional licensed counselors who specialize in that. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, LGBT matters, family, self-esteem, whatever it is, they can match you with somebody that is is especially prepared to deal with whatever you are dealing with in that particular moment. Of course, just like with every counselor, everything that you share is confidential. It's convenient, professional, affordable, and there are tons of testimonials that are posted on their website every single day. So if you need to actually hear from real users, head over to the website uh, and check out what other people are saying.
2: I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Radio.
0: Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that is betterhelp, dot com slash Broadway Radio. Alright, so let's get into this, this bigger picture discussion of the 1997 version of, of Cinderella. Nowadays, while it's not necessarily as common as we would like to think, we do see more movies and more TV shows and more, especially theater that are I don't know the right term because they're all kind of laid in with different mm. issues, but colorblind or color <laughs> yeah, conscious yeah, or whatever yeah. it is, um, equitable casting. Yeah, yeah, and and all of those have reasons, and there are many examples of things that have happened before. But I think from a big splashy television movie musical, like I don't know that this was the first, but for me, who was sixteen at the time that this came out, like. I think this was the first one that I'm really aware of. And I think that that's had mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. impact on why this program means so much for so many people, Ashley.
1: For sure. Um, there's actually, I don't know if either of you have read it. There was a really great oral history. I think Deland did maybe four or mm-hmm. five years ago, which I'll include in the mm-hmm. show notes when I do them Um, with, you know, cast producers, so including um, Neil Maron and Craig's Craig Zidane. And Neil's talking about, you know, when they started in theater, they were working with Joe Papp at the public and about his mantra Mm -hmm. about, you know, quote unquote, colorblind casting and to always cast with diversity. So that's kind of, for the most part, influenced the public's works throughout, you know, it's decades and decades and therefore influenced this. So, yeah, like I said, people have been so excited about this and the fact that it's stayed so well-regarded with no streaming release until now and no soundtrack is just really a testament to how good it is. Um, you think about this, this was in 1997, so the vision mm-hmm. of that princesses that most people had, especially kids, were Disney princesses. At that point, really, the only non-white princess was Jasmine Aladdin, Aladdin. Like, Mulan wasn't even out <laughs> yet. Jasmine yeah. wasn't even the protagonist in aladdin it's not the titular (laughs) character (laughs) so so any woman woman of color but especially any black woman in with braids Mm. in her hair playing a princess front and center as the eponymous character is and
0: was huge and you know you mentioned the braids and like you think like Mm -hmm. no that's just her hairstyle like that's actually super important
1: yeah and and, like
0: that's something to this day we still hear Um, black people in Hollywood complain about the fact that they don't have hair, whatever people on sets that know how to deal with black hair. And like, it's just so maddening. But the fact that they put Brandy in braids, not only when she was. Cinderella at home, you know, in her mm-hmm. nest, but in like her ball gown, and, she's, she's right. got braids. Like that's right. a big deal.
1: And of course, there was a huge, huge pushback. Like exact the producers behind it were really trying to push back. Like according to the oral history, like they wanted Whitney to be the fairy godmother. And then they were like, well, if you're coming up with someone like Brandy as Cinderella, why can't you go get Jewel instead? Like, they wanted jewels yeah. and of brandy because they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want the Black princess and the Black fairy godmother. Yeah. But so-
2: Whitney, as an executive producer on this, like... definitely fought for all those things too, you know? And she was like the champion for Brandy. She was like, I'm going to do this and I want Brandy to do it. And then in an interview, Brandy was like, well, I'm not going to do it unless you're the fairy godmother, because then it becomes this white savior thing. Right. I mean, she didn't use those words, but that's definitely what that would have been. So I think that all of them utilizing each other as like a team of being like, how can, how can we fight for each other in this like amazing way? Don't use me saying fight for each other in some Uh, you know, (laughs) congressional (laughs) like (laughs) um, impeachment trial, like, please don't use me. (laughs) But uh, I'm just saying that I think that what you're saying, Ashley, though, is so important that like they all uh, rallied in this like very amazing way. And also to the extent that,
1: you know, when they were casting the prince they were trying mm-hmm. to decide you know do they want a black prince do they want a latino prince do they want a white prince do they want an asian prince and they were really trying to make sure that brandy was comfortable um and her main concern was even you know is this going to support all of us and does this look realistic to the country mm-hmm. we're living in like does this look like all of us
0: yeah and one of the things that this version at least tries to do is put a little bit more quote unquote feminist spin on the character of Cinderella.
1: Which is hard, which is hard. Which is
0: very hard. Which was my point. Like they try to do it with this one to the point where, you know, there's the exchanges um, with Cinderella and the prince who is undercover in the market at the very beginning of the film about, you know, he says that she's a different one and she kind of both accusatory and, you know, quizzically asks, what does he mean? Um, But then, you know, we saw it in 2013 when Douglas Carter Bean rewrote the book for Cinderella, and that was a big deal of itself that she wasn't being saved by the prince. My question is... Maybe we just stop doing Cinderella if we have to rewrite it every time to make it a a, a story that is palatable for our modern sensibilities.
1: Yeah. I mean I guess I I agree because we're we've had this conversation so many times even to the extent like last night about The King and I. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, so much. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you missed that conversation. I, I, I no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but, but that's the thing as far as Cinderella goes is that, you know, pieces, the, you know, there are pieces of Cinderella in so many different stories that it's never real, it's never, or, or it's rarely a direct adaptation, but there's always pieces of c- Cinderella there. So reworking it is at this point, like just making an entirely different story
0: now. And I will say there's obviously another musical version of Cinderella that is waiting to take to the stage. That is Andrew Lloyd Webber's version. (sighs) That one looks to re-examine the whole thing as well, including making the prince uh, gay. Um, I will say though, since I watched Promising Young Woman uh, on Sunday yeah. night. The oh, fa- the, hello. Fa- the fact that Emerald Fennel is writing the book for that Cinderella makes me a little bit more anxious and excited to see what she does with All right, but, not,
1: okay. don't take that, yeah, but... So
0: anyway. Um, let's wrap this up here before my trivia question. But let's oh. let's wrap this up with just your general like, one sentence, one moment thing that you think is the thing that you will take away the most from this. Grace, why don't we start with you?
2: Okay. I'm going to name two things, and I'm okay. already sorry. The okay. first one is that during 10 minutes ago, my rewatch of this I was cackling on the floor because I saw behind Brandy dancing, and they're they're doing this beautiful little waltz. And you see behind them, everyone in the crowd, right? Everybody watching those two people dance as they dance. And I see Jason Alexander's um, body double.
1: Standing
2: there, oh really? Oh. <laughs> and it is it's not so so obvious but I I was like that's not him for sure. And you can tell I don't know if it's a day where he's like I got to go do you know like Seinfeld. Yeah, was yeah. that your
0: Seinfeld theme song? Yeah, it was really yeah,
2: good. Yeah. I'm an excellent singer. <laughs> i <was> just <laughs> say
1: that's the show's new theme song is yeah, you. you you performing the Seinfeld. I played theme bass song. for like
2: one boyfriend. Anyways, um Oh boy. But like <laughs> it it was just such a funny moment because there were so many beautiful things happening and like everybody's present. Bernadette is, is that like everyone, everyone's there for the, just to be in the foreground or whatever, in the background of the shot. But Jason Alexander was like, nah, then I'll send in my second. I'm not. <laughs> he was busy. So that's he number one. Busy. That's my, that's my takeaway. It was pretty funny. Second of all, um, I, I did say earlier that when I was five years old watching this, none of it mattered as far as like racial identity. Like I was just excited about it. And I loved that it was so uh, I was I was I was just like not changed by it. Right. But as I moved forward in life, I started to reexamine the fact that I did not see uh, Asian-American, Filipino-American um Eastern Asian, like I, I didn't, I didn't see any of those people in theater, musical theater in general, right? Unless it was South freaking, yeah. And yeah. um, yeah. So then I look back and I go, wait, they did that. Wh- why didn't anything change? Um, and so uh, that's my biggest takeaway from this is that like I, I read a lot of articles that say like, oh, it was it was uh, ahead of its time. It's like no, it's always time to do this. I'm so tired. Right. You know what I mean? Like, for sure. I think I think it's just. No, we did it. And then no one kept that ball rolling. So I hope that because of this renaissance, because it's it's on, people are going to be reminded that it is not a crapshoot to do these types of things. And they should all look like a regional production of Cinderella, because that's what this looks like. You know, not, not yeah, in ter- absolutely. Like, that's yeah. That's not a degrade. like, I'm not, I'm not degrading regional theater. I'm just saying that, like, you cast the way you want to do it. It's not just trying to make like white subscribers happy on Broadway. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's what I love about it. And uh, I hope that that continues.
0: Ashley, what is your takeaways?
1: Uh Mainly Jason Alexander's accent choice. And
0: oh, that, that was going to be gosh. mine. So yes. Go Wait, ahead.
1: Ooh, sorry. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> uh, that might've been, I-, I remembered that being a, th- thing. Uh, and then I was I was actually cooking dinner while I was making it or while well, I was watching it and had my back to it when he first came on. And I just like kind of spun around because I forgot how not good it is. Well, <laughs> it was, was a, he trying to do an impression choice. of like Isaria in the birdcage? I'm not. That, that's a very good question. Maybe. Was birdcage out then? Yeah. No, I, and,
0: uh, no.
2: It was like nine. woo Four, maybe oh god i gotta know i'm sorry i'm looking it up you keep going I it, it, is, it was, was
0: definitely mid 90s okay. it was a okay. year Shoot. before year before
1: thank thank god i will take being oh. at least close to right there uh yeah i well he wanted to it to be as far away from seinfeld as possible which i mm, guess while still being a comedy role which i guess he got um the other thing which it, as I already said, like in talking about how, especially when they were singing, just like how happy they look to be doing this Mm. like the the cast actually just got together in um you know anticipation of this for for entertainment weekly and did a round table which i have to finish watching but it's just really sweet because you can tell how proud they are of it still and they should be like you can tell how much fun they were having and you can tell how proud they were
0: yeah absolutely and how did i forget that elaine may wrote the screenplay for the birdcage how did did you (sighs) i I think
1: about i think about it every hour of my life (laughs)
0: Um, my takeaway is going to be that um, I think a lot of Broadway people know the name Vian Cox, like because mm. she's she's always in mm. something. But there were moments when I'm watching this um, mm. when I'm like, she's Carol Burnett, like she's yeah. channeling Carol right? Burnett. And maybe it's right? the red hair. But like there were moments I was like. She's pro, like I, like you said, he was doing a Hank Azaria impression. Like she was doing Carol Burnett and it was hilarious. So and it worked
1: for her. Yes.
0: <laughs> so well. And, and you can't, you, you can't do that unless you are legitimately funny. Um, exactly. and, and there were just moments and I was like, oh damn, especially like the first scene, like when they get back to the house after going through to the market. Um, and, and I don't exactly remember what they're talking about, but like she, it was just, uh, it was great. Or maybe it was the one where they were getting dressed for the ball or something, but I was like, wow, that's hysterical. But that brings me to my trivia question that I will allow both of you, um, to get in on here. Now, Brandy has been on Broadway. She did Chicago, but Mm -hmm. the other stars of this, um, there are six of them that, um, have been on Broadway either before Jesus. or after. Um, obviously, not, in count, not uh, counting Whitney Houston and Natalie DeSalle-Reed. All of those people have appeared in Stephen Sondheim musicals, some of them multiple ones, some of them very famously, some of them not so much, some of them winning Tony, some of them being nominated for Tony's. Um, can you tell me without Googling... Nope. what per- grace you seem like you know the answer to this do you want to run <laughs> through it
2: well oh well well i was gonna say we we do were we gonna talk about merrily we roll along with jason alexander obviously yes, of course. that's one that's one yeah. um so wait okay so ashley help me out um Victor Bernadette,
0: Bernadette, and sweeney yep, and everything yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, V.N. Cox did a company revival, which was a mid 90s toni- one.
0: Yeah, she was a Tony nominee, a 1996 Tony nominee yeah. for playing Amy in company. That's correct.
1: Whoopi did Forum.
0: Very good. She replaced Nathan Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a funny thing happens on the way Pseudilis, to the Forum right? as Pseudolus. Yep. Yep, yep. So yep, yep. And, and then uh, that leaves just uh, Paolo Montebond. Do you know what he did? <gasps> Oh. Oh, so, so,
2: oh
1: mm, um, mm, my mm. guess is Pacific Overtures. That but, is correct. Okay. He, Damn he it. Did I didn't want that to be the answer, yeah, to be I, honest. I figured that that had to be the answer, but I also didn't want it to be the answer. Yeah, he yeah.
0: did uh, Pacific Overtures. He also did, as you said, uh, The King and I multiple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, he did that. He was also on, uh, One Life to Live for a while too, but that's, true.
1: <laughs> that's Sure, of course. That's what I know. That's I'm just from, for obviously. me. That's
0: just for me. Yeah. But, um,
1: I'll yes. take that. There yeah, you
0: go. Not bad. So, uh, I think it's appropriate in Get a Rogers and Hammerstein thing that we have <laughs> Oscar's <laughs> surrogate son, Stephen <laughs> yeah, Sondheim, uh, mm-hmm. make an appearance as well. So, everybody, let us know what you thought of the 1997 version of Rosenhammer Hammerstein Cinderella that is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. You can make Grace's life happy by uh, sending us a message <laughs> at Broadway Radio on either Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We would love to hear your thoughts. Or if you are sharing this with somebody younger in your life, whether mm-hmm. it's a kid or a niece or nephew or grandkid or whatever, um, we'd love to hear those stories as well. Anyway, that is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. As I said, follow us on all the socials. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. Ashley, where can everybody find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at no, this is Ashley Grace? And you
2: can find me on Twitter and Instagram oh. at It'sGraceAki. I know! Yay! I so so, so consolidation! So special.
0: Thank you, Kara. <laughs> um, also, Grace, i um, I, we don't yeah. know who's doing Friday's show yet, but okay. so I don't know if that means you and I are going to get to talk. So I think that you and I need to have oh a standalone, God, a standalone Patreon only <laughs> episode discussing the season finale of The Masked Dancer. Are you up for it? Done. All I'm,
2: right. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> All
0: right, cool. So head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. You will be able to hear our conversation about... <laughs> the finale of The Masked Dancer, to see who Cotton Candy, the Tulip, and the Sloth might actually Mm -hmm. be.
2: By the way, it'll be entertaining regardless of if you watch that show or not. We don't care if you watch the show, you just need to listen to us talk about it.
0: I mean, I I want you to watch the show because I'm invested in the Masked uh, Cinematic Universe. But (laughs) everybody thank you for joining us uh for this (laughs) for this uh round table review we uh are always taking suggestions about other things that we can review together whether it's in the news or something that's been out for a while Uh, for 25 years or however long this has been yeah exactly so let us know have a wonderful tuesday and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow